0: Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and excited for today's episode with Adam Rosales, former Major League Baseball player uh, with, correct me if I'm wrong, but six different teams, I think. Uh, but we'll, we'll call you the utility player, and you'll you'll know why uh, once we kind of dive into the episode a little bit further. Uh, but Adam had a great, great career in the big leagues, and uh, we're gonna learn a little bit about his transition from player to coach. Um, And kind of just the business in general of the the sports industry and and the baseball industry. And uh, so, Adam, welcome to the podcast. Hey. Jake, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So just for our audience, for our listeners, give us a quick background. Uh, You know, Western Michigan Bronco, is that correct? That's right. The
1: Broncos actually played... Uh, I know you're wearing a Purdue shirt right now, but we played those like the midweek games. We'd always play the Big Ten. I was always challenging games. But yeah, from Chicago originally, I uh, went to Western Michigan for four years. I didn't. I never got drafted out of high school or my junior year in college. And then finally, my senior year, I got drafted in the 12th round by the Cincinnati Reds in 2005. And uh, so that's just a little brief background right there.
0: And... What what position were you mostly playing on the field? I mean, you had you had a couple, yeah?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was drafted as a shortstop. I mean, I love playing shortstop. My favorite baseball player growing up was Sean Dunstan, the shortstop for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, always loved watching the way he went about his game and I just always wanted to emulate that. But, yeah, shortstop growing up, but then it uh, actually happened in 2006 – I had some arm troubles, probably because I was just throwing too hard too early in spring training. I didn't really know how to take care of my arm. So they put me at first base just so I can recover. And I started playing first base and started seeing that side of the infield and then played second. And from, from 2006 on, became a utility player.
0: And so, you know, we talked about utility. Um, since you've been able to transition from playing and in your, in your playing career, you know, you've, you've, you're have you've not only coaching with the Oakland Athletics, um, you know, I know you mentioned going to Instructs here in a couple of weeks, but, you know, created Baseball Utility, and you've been doing that for a couple of years as well. Talk a little bit about what you've created and, and what your goal is uh, with Baseball Utility.
1: Yeah, for sure. Obviously, I have a lot of passion for the game, and I definitely want to stay in the game. But I really like focusing on the youth level because for me, personally, that was – when I got serious about baseball when I was about 12 years old and how important it was to my life as, you know, developing on and off the field, it was important to me. Um, Not, not just that I wanted to develop my skills as a baseball player, but just as a person, my character as well. And it was kind of, it was an escape for me, you know, to play baseball. And I I feel like that could be for a lot of young players, but for baseball utility, we want to, I know a lot of people want to do this in their own way, but, but challenge the norms of player development, you know, give these players more time to develop, understand what they need, um, so they enjoy the game. Because for me personally, we're developing uh, baseball players. But for me, more importantly, we're developing baseball fans, you know, fans of the game.
0: And whether kids are specializing nowadays, I know, you know, we were talking before this, I think you started at 12, I was around 13 obviously you ended up playing probably baseball every single day of your life for how many
1: years? Yeah, probably 20, was it, 25 years.
0: Yeah, and so, I mean, you know, making that making that distinction of do you specialize, do you not, there's there's obviously a lot of research out there as to what should you shouldn't do, but but at the end of the day, you know, just choosing what you want to do, right, and and being able to pursue that because you're passionate about it, and I think that goes – for anything right whether you're on the business side you're growing up playing athletics whether you're trying to pursue it as a, as a career on the field um, or, or you know in the clubhouse uh, what are some of those things that you've picked up on along the way that maybe would help those that are in the business or you know trying to understand kind of what they want to do
1: I mean you pick up a lot along the way with uh, I mean obviously I'm new into coaching the coaching side of it and it's a lot easier watching the game on TV, knowing that you don't have to go in and pinch it that night. So obviously, but this game, it, it, it speeds up on you quick. You know, even uh, ever since you're younger, you've got to find a way to slow it down. Uh, and I think that's what the, the players need. Uh, a lot of players need to be – find a, a process to slow the game down. And a way to do that is to build their confidence up. I mean, these, these players need a lot of um, – positive reinforcement I know I did as a player and that's why my greatest hitting coaches were more like sports psychologists to me but that's I mean the communication is everything though and I think that's something I really picked up along the way being a player being able to communicate with my teammates with the coaches uh on all levels you know on and off the field but I think
0: yeah yeah Yeah, I mean that communication factor is huge and and look I, I think one of the things that I think you'll find as we as we continue this conversation is that there there are so many parallels between probably what you learn on the field or in the dugout compared to the business side right like a lot of it's a lot of it's very similar, yes, different context, sure uh, you know at the end of the day you're you're waking up trying to hit the ninety five hour fastball, but at the same time there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes just as it is on the business side as well
1: yeah, I mean. Yeah, behind the seat. I mean, but that's all paying attention to detail, right? You gotta, you gotta be prepared. I mean, um, and you'll know, you'll know, you'll know when someone's not prepared. I think for me, like, um, my mental preparation, uh, obviously, the physical preparation I put in the off season. But you'll know if if a coach hasn't put the time in. To look at your video and give you solid feedback after you say, "Hey, I'm facing whatever Verlander tonight. We know he's got a nasty slider. He's got nasty stuff." How would you say you would approach this at bat if you were me? And if he doesn't give you a good answer, you know he's not prepared. And that's what you see. It was awesome working in the Oakland A's clubhouse. This, uh, well, in the in the spring training clubhouse in the minor leagues, it, just to see all this preparation going on and, and the the communication and these coach is spending so much time. The season has, hasn't even started yet. And I'm like, and it's my first time in the clubhouse, like on this side of the baseball. And I'm like, my goodness, this is really neat. It's like a little, it's like a little factory that they're really putting a, a lot of time into each individual player. And I think that needs to start at the younger levels as well.
0: And so as you're, whether it's developing content, working with individuals, how, how are you going about that process to, to help, you know, the athletes uh, at a younger age.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you put out content, you know, so they can see what your philosophy is, what you believe in, um, try to keep it as simple as possible for them. Um, that's, uh, that's about it though. I mean, for, for that, but what was the other, you said developing you know, into the.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, as you're developing you're trying to develop content and, and continuing to help, help those around you. How are you continuously learning, right? You mentioned kind of pushing the norms, right? There's, there's sure. always people to learn from no matter what age they are, right? Maybe they see something, maybe a 16-year-old sees something totally different, right, just based on their experiences.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, pushing the norms right now as a coach is doing the research. And I found myself rereading the mental game of baseball, and I told you earlier that before we started the, the call is that I'm, I'm reading the sports gene, like all these different ways that players develop. And I'm actually like last night I was watching Albert Pujols talk to Harold Reynolds. Like I did a lot of this stuff like as a player or I would talk to teammates or I look at my own video, but now I'm like really taking a step forward. I talked to the sports psychologist last night that worked with us uh, in the Cleveland Indians organization. Like I'm really trying to build my or fortify myself, so I am prepared to deliver a solid, clear message to an individual player, knowing that it's not going to be cookie cut to anybody.
0: Yeah, and that preparation aspect um, you know, you mentioned kind of the the preparation level that goes into everything, but as you learned about preparation over the years, what was something that you learned over the years? on maybe how to improve your preparation or you know how to adjust your preparation depending on again let's just compare you know for sake uh, you know you're you're preparing for one team versus another as someone in the business might be pitching you know a sponsor to one company versus another right there's there's a lot of similarities in that sense um, but you have to kind of understand where your feet are right yeah
1: yeah, and you have to know what your role is too, right? You got to know where you stand, but um, how to prepare? It, it takes it takes the time. Like I, I've said it before, you have to you have to study both sides. Would you say like a pitch in business, like pitching, like whether one side or the other, like debating kind of? Yeah, you have to know both. You have to know both sides really well, and that takes time. That takes studying. You have to be a student of the game and. I mean, looking back on it, I wish I was a better student. You look at guys like Paul Goldschmidt, you know, or J.D. Martinez that I brought up, like, in, a, in these notebooks, the always-grind notebooks that are out there right now. But these guys took the time to write down notes. And they're students of the game because they made the, they made the time. They created time to do it. And just like anything in business or any, any other aspect of life when it comes to preparation – you have to take that time because you're going in, you're going you're gonna to be, you're going to embarrass yourself if you're not prepared.
0: And you mentioned kind of the taking notes aspect. Uh, I'd have to imagine that you learned a couple things about yourself, about your brand, kind of just the way that you went about your business, right? As you continue to grow as a professional.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because it's either you're going to do it, you're going to, you're going to do it, or you're going to get left behind if you don't. So like, personally, I was, I was taking notes, but I would go home and write in my journal or, or write down my notes about whether it was just me venting about, <laughs> and that happened a lot in baseball, you know, with those O for 4s are not easy to handle. But, um, but I would, you know, I should have done it right away. You know, I should have took those examples of Paul Goldschmidt and J.D. Martinez and just do it in the dugout. But it's like, I, I didn't want to, like, they're doing it's their thing, you know? No, I mean, you do, like, that's your example. Follow that example.
0: Yeah, and as you're learning from other teammates, I mean, again, similar in the workplace, right? You're either, maybe you're a coach learning from other coaches, as you mentioned before, uh, you know, player learning from another player, uh, co-worker learning from another co-worker. What are some of those things that you've learned along the way as to, how to approach, you know, asking someone like a Paul Goldschmidt or whomever you're playing with to ask them about, you know, hey, how did you do this? Or asking them for help, like being vulnerable, right, in that sense.
1: Well, it's being vulnerable. Yeah, there's no question that you're vulnerable because you just you want to ask the right questions, you know. Um, but another thing is, like, for me, I'm so, I was pretty superstitious. I think all baseball players are. But I'm like, man, if I ask, like, a Prince Fielder, like, you know, why is why not wearing batting gloves, this, this, this at bat? And why, I'm like, I feel like I'm going to mess something up. <laughs> or at least I did when I was a younger player, right? When you shouldn't, you know, you should be like, or find the right time. It's about timing. When, when to ask the right questions. Because actually, I brought up Prince Fielder, and that's a great example of, of a student of the game. We always have hitters meetings every day in Texas with Dave Magadan, great hitting coach. And who was up front? was Prince Fielder, Adrian Beltre, Elvis Andres and Prince Fielder would ask easy questions but he would ask them hey Mags what, what do you think you guys got a slide of tonight I mean do you think looking for it or do you think of, like looking at, at the location like what, what, what do you think how would you approach this you know like, like he would ask great questions but they're simple questions they're the right questions you know that actually let us learn. I was, I was three rows back from Prince Bealers. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been on the right? But, uh, sure. but he, uh, he asked the questions. So I'm like, man, that was a simple question, but like, I got a lot out of that. Like, I feel like if I was playing that night, I didn't face too many righties, but you know, I would be ready. I would be ready. Cause I asked a simple question. And I think that's a, I don't know. I just want to make that point.
0: Yeah. It's, it's look, there's, there's no stupid question, right? But but to your point, the right time, the right place, right. Uh, and and the right phrasing, right, and um, you know you can't be afraid to fail. So you know talking about the failure piece, right? That that is the game of baseball. You fail all the time, right? And and uh, for those who look, no matter what you're doing in life, whether you're working in business, you're playing on the field or coaching, such as yourself, uh, the failure component is there, just. Depends on what context and how much, right? Uh, what are some of the lessons you learned from the failure side, oh, you know, as you continued, you know, as a professional?
1: You know, I was talking to Joey Votto in Arizona. We're out here in Arizona right now, but I was a, I was a rookie. I was said a freshman. I was a rookie <laughs> with the Cincinnati Reds. And I was failing bad. You know, I started off pretty good and then just hit a rut. I was going down quick. Um, and Joey, he recognized it. He pulled me aside and he said, Adam, please do me a favor and just give yourself time. And I'm like, well, you know, and that's, and I mentioned that before, you know, time is really important. You got to create that time. But that's exactly, Joey Vado's right on point, though. Like, you got to let yourself fail, you know, you got to accept it. If you're trying to if you're trying to fight against it, you're trying to like um, you almost get too prideful and you get so stubborn that it's just kind of productive. When you just got to give give yourself time. You know, if they send you back to AAA, then they do. But give yourself time to to get back here, to get back to you to knowing your peak performance. Uh, That's one thing I think I I picked up from Joey Votto. Just um um, is giving yourself that time to fail, but. I mean, just there's a lot of ton of like um, and that's the best teacher, I guess, is failing because you're going to you're going to have to learn. Like I said, you have to learn or you're going to get left behind. Um, sure. But, yeah. From from,
0: a, you know, whether it's getting left behind, going from team to team, getting traded, um, you know, look, I you can relate in it of moving from place to place. You know, you're going from organization to organization. You know, you're having to acclimate with new coaches, new players, you know, new new coworkers in a sense, right? Um, talk a little bit about those experiences and where you succeeded and failed in that sense uh, and what lessons maybe you could draw from it.
1: I mean, I'll talk about failing first, going from organization to organization. I, I should have been more willing and ready to ask more questions, you know. I kind of like um... – people kind of say, Hey, this is how it works. And, you know, I kind of like kept my mouth shut, my ears open, like, all right, that's you tell me what to do. I'll do it. I should have been more, um, upfront or more communicate a little bit more clearly or ask better questions. But at the same time though, by, by keeping my, my, my mouth shut, my ears open, it kind of helped out in the sense that I, um, it's kind of like a win or whatever you want to call it. It, it helped me and didn't, uh, sometimes, sometimes it helped me. Sometimes it didn't, but just kind of like being observing, I feel like that's where I was good at doing, going from organization to organization. I feel like I learned quicker because I was kind of afraid to ask questions or kind of like not as ready to ask questions. So I'm like, I need to make sure that I'm listening and paying attention and got that good feel, got that good court awareness, they call it. Right. That I, I know how this organization works. I know what they expect. Uh, I know how to, I know I'm going to respect that. Um, but so I, I, was, I kind of always had that mentality and it kind of helped me get along with a lot of the ballplayers. The respect for, for my teammates. You know, I was competing against guys. It was either me or them going to AAA possibly or me staying in the big leagues. But I would always be by their side, asking them how their family's doing, really truly caring about like who they are trying to learn as much as I could from, from those people that, you know, you're right there in the competition, but it, it, it's bigger than that. The, the game was bigger than, than me. Um, and, and I kind of always had a mentality, I think, is uh, that those kind of helped me go from organization, organization, organization. That's why I just kept a smile on my face, you know, the whole time.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, it's better than a frown for sure. But, <laughs> you know,
1: as you think about,
0: you know as you think about the way in which you maybe compare yourself to other players right or you know from organization to organization hey I got to beat this guy out or did you just try and focus on yourself or were you constantly worried about the people around you uh, as there's there's kind of those two missions right you want to make everyone around you better but at the same time you're trying to get better Right. But you also want the team to be better. So how, right. how do you go? About it? I mean, it's, it's it's, it's a very, little bit
1: complex. It's very complex, man. And that's, that's where the mental game comes in because that's, that's where it comes down to just respecting the game, right? Appreciating where you are, knowing your, knowing your role, being where your feet are and enjoying the moment because uh, you have a lot to learn in that moment. And, and that guy right next to you has busted his tail and he's got goals to meet too. So, It is a very complex dynamic, but it's just um, what a great opportunity. And if you have that kind of attitude, you can probably put yourself in most any situation and succeed.
0: Yeah. And and as you think about the transition component, right? Um, Not too far removed from playing, you know, starting in the coaching realm, you know, from an identity perspective, there's a lot of, a lot of people in, in the sports industry, that maybe attach themselves to the logo in which they work for, maybe the logo on their business card. Um, look, you've got to kind of s- think the same thing within, you know, the playing world, right? You've got a, you've got a big patch on your chest that has a logo on it and and on your hat and everywhere else. Right. So how do you go about, you know, making sure that you keep the Adam Rosales brand as opposed to whomever you play for. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's – I guess that's um, the intangibles, right? Like um, things that you can't really put a dollar sign to. It's the – like I just mentioned, respect the game. But it's, you talk about identity. You know, you got you to gotta understand – that's why I feel like I, I, I was – I knew I was ready to be done playing baseball. It was tough for me to sprint on and off the field. And I said I would do it ever since I was 12 years old whether I wore a big league jersey or, or wore a, a college jersey. It didn't matter. I was going to run on and off the field because I was respecting the game. That was the identity that I wanted to have. But as soon as that was like – I wasn't able to do it, whether it's physically or mental, whatever you want to think. But I knew once my identity – I was kind of like um, dwindling, I guess. Like it wasn't like as real. It wasn't as genuine where I was kind of – you know, like I was like, all right, it's it's time, you know, you know, you know, it's time. And I think that's kind of like the first time I've ever really explained that besides to my family. But like, you know, like, uh, and that's just because, you know, that for me, there is more important things than baseball in this life. I, I was really missing my family, you know, I was gone from them. And I, and I know a lot of people do this for work and, uh, you know, I'm so grateful for our military and the sacrifices they make to be away from their families. But I was ready to, to identify, but being a dad, you know, being a husband, um, rather, than, you know, I was, it, was, it was really wearing on me. So that's talking about identity and making sure I'm true to myself. I'm genuine in a different role I'm being where my feet are in a different aspect of my life. But not to mention, but I'm able to look at the TV now. Like, I love that game. I love watching baseball. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure if a lot of retired baseball players can say that, especially first year out. Like, you know, like, a, no, I love, I really do. I love it. Um, it's fun to see. My daughter doesn't really love it too much. I don't know why, but maybe because it took her away or took me away from her for a couple of months. I don't know. But my Sorry, son maybe maybe, maybe
0: she'll be a, maybe she'll be a star basketball
1: player or something, right?
0: <laughs> different, different sport.
1: Yeah, she loves dancing. I don't know. She likes to be up on stage, that's for sure. <laughs> but my son loves it. You know, he, lo- he loves, he likes watching the game, you know, or he like throw the ball, watch the game. Uh, and it's really it's it's a it's a love, man. Like it's really a, I appreciate it, and because I feel like I'm I'm true to myself, I, I I'm genuine about who I am and, and what this game means to me, you know. Yeah, and and you know, at the end of
0: the day, now now being in kind of the coach's shoes, it's just a different perspective, right? Different context, uh, and and at the end of the day, just as you may have been trying to help teammates, right? In a sense they're still your teammates just in a different way, right? And so um, as you think about the perspective that you've already gained being a coach, what's something that you learned being a coach that you just didn't didn't understand or didn't know as a player?
1: You really don't have to talk too much. Because <laughs> <laughs> you really don't. Like I go from, you know, I coach the youth a lot, like doing camps and doing the remote training. And I'm like, all right, you, you break it down, you know, that egg acronym, you explain it, you give them example, and then you get an example, right? You have to really break it down. And I know you do it at the higher level too, but like you really have to make sure that they get it. And they, so it's hard for them to talk to you at a, at a young age, but in working with them, the, a couple of the hitters, uh, with the Oakland organization during spring training, I wouldn't, say a, I wouldn't say a word. I would let them put the ball in the tee and hit, and hit, and I would recognize something they're doing. Like, you know, he's kind of drifting into the pitch right now, but I'm, I'm going to make him say it, you know, and I'm going to – and he does. Like, more up than not, he's like, hey, Adam, you, do you see, like, I'm kind of leaking my, my backside or something? I'm like, yes. He's like – and then he, he coaches himself through it. Right? He's, like, he's like, well, he asked me, he's like, how, how would you change that? I'm like, well, you tell me, how would you do it? First of all, let me hear how you would do it. And he goes, you know, I would, I would do this or that, whatever you want to say. I'm like, well, that's exactly how I would do it too. And it is truly, genuinely. I'm like, that's a great adjustment. Let's see you do it. And he does it. And I'm like, I just kind of was like a soundboard. I think if I, if I get too technical or if I, if I overcoat, if I talk too much, that's when – that's why I got to recognize myself and be like, I'm not helping this kid. You know, like, <laughs> I, I got I to gotta let him help himself. I can let him – I guess that's the bottom line. You got let to them, let them help themselves. But I think on the, the infielding side, I, I need to learn that more. Because I know, like, I, I feel like I, I talk a little bit too much on the infield side, maybe. I don't know. Well, I, hey, as, as
0: an infielder, as a shortstop, you're supposed to talk, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's your job.
1: I guess. It's like, I'm like, I want to make sure you got this, man. Like, this is important because I feel like defense is underrated. And, and I feel like that's what kept me in the major leagues, you know, for 10 years or whatever. Um, yeah. So I don't know. So What, you know, as, as,
0: as we wrap up the episode, you know, you, you think about, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the different, you know, you were talking about the coaching and, and, how to get someone to teach themselves, right? In a, in a way, right? Because in a way, you yourself are your own best coach.
1: Mm-hmm. You have to be, yeah.
0: Because if Adam's not there one day, right? And you're yeah. hitting off the tee, you got to be able to figure it out, right? And so it, it it clicked to me. It's like almost, how do you help others help themselves?
1: You got to be, it goes back to being prepared. You got to study them. You got to know them. And you got you got to know like, you got to know like you got to have your core values too you know you got to know like uh, first of all let, let me back up i know you need to have your core values of hitting of fielding of base running overall whatever but then you have to take those core values and you have to prepare by really paying attention to the to each individual player that you work with and go back and take down notes or take down notes right there in the cage you know, like, hold on one second, Let me take a note. You know, and um, that's I, that's all I would say. No, it's
0: great. Rapid fire for you, oh, right? Because no. why? Because why not? It's okay. it's uh, you I'm know, it's, it's that's that's the fun part of the episode, of course. For who? Uh, who
1: is it for you? Well, for you, of
0: course, right? I mean, I know, man. Hey, are... best best food item across the
1: clubhouses. <sighs> See, I gotta think about that. I'm gonna say something dumb, but like the first first thing that came to my mind was the Dodger dog at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> hey, that's not a <laughs> that's bad not that's it. not a bad answer. That's not, but it's not it though. Like, there's gotta be better food. Well, I mean, the Philly cheese State, thats always fun to go to Philadelphia. But they all get their own things. Um, those are the first two things. The junk food that came to my mind—that's terrible.
0: Hey, those are those are staples. We'll let it pass. Uh, favorite ballpark you ever played in?
1: So I'm from Chicago, so I'm I'm biased towards Wrigley Field, right? It's an easy answer. I mean, that's where I grew up watching my favorite team, you know, and watching be sure. But it's um, Fenway, you know. I could be 0 for 20, and then come in to get four hits there because it's just the good spirit, man. It's just like a just a ton of respect for the guys that have played on that field, and it's just the atmosphere there. The the fans are pretty rowdy, you know. But they're it's, pretty. They're pretty close Yeah, they're, right? they're I mean, right, on top, the other right there, but it's electrifying, you know, and that's, it's a, and we feed off of that. And it's, and I, and I couldn't imagine playing right now with, there no fans in the stands, but um, anyway, next question. Yeah. <laughs> next question.
0: Uh, you know, in terms of, you know, you mentioned Verlander earlier in the episode, hardest pitcher you ever faced.
1: Well, that's him. That's right-hander at least. And then Kershaw, my lefty, those guys. But I think I figured out Kershaw. I can say that not because I'm done playing. All right. We'll, br- we'll bring you back. We'll bring you
0: back. Uh, <laughs> pinch, you're pinch hitting against Kershaw next time he's pitching. Um,
1: yeah, right.
0: Yeah. What was uh, your favorite umpire to chat with in the infield?
1: Oh, man. You know, Laz Diaz was always nice to me. There's uh, the Welke brothers. I think it was Tim or Bill. One of them went to Western Michigan. Jim Wolf was always a good one. Jim Wolf just, uh, just a just good to talk. Um, he was actually behind the home plate when Dallas Braden threw his perfect game, and I got to play in that. So, well, th- those three probably. That so
0: uh, leads me to my next question: favorite
1: favorite moment on the field? That's the perfect game. That's it's got to be Dallas Braden, two thousand ten. May 9th, Mother's Day, just Dallas just shoving. Just um, – I get to play second base that game. Kuz making some nasty – Kevin Kuzmanoff making some great plays at third. Um, Eric Patterson making that play. It's just – I just – it's awesome. And I connect with um, Dallas once in a while, and it's just um, – and, and Landon. Landon, Landon Powell is the catcher, so – just brings us all together and it's just a really, really special moment for Dallas. That's awesome. For all
0: of us. Last question for you, if, if you had to go on the bump for a game to, to throw the ninth inning, could be the first inning, whatever it might be, what's your go-to pitch?
1: Well, I got to pitch two, two innings in the big leagues. I'm not sure if you knew that. I didn't know that. Geez, you Are stumped me. Yeah, I stumped you.
0: Stumped a schwa. Uh, <laughs> OK, so, so two, two innings in the big leagues on the bump. What, what was the go-to pitch?
1: Well, the go-to pitch, I thought, was my 92-mile-per-hour fastball. It was basically a, a, <laughs> a meatball that got launched out of the stadium. But um, <laughs> so now, if I would do it over again, I would throw as slow as possible.
0: Right, ethos like I mean, you real slow, like knuckleball, knuckleball slow almost,
1: yeah. Or I might try to like do like the softball underhand pitch, but <laughs> so because I was, I was, I'm reading, I'm reading uh, what's the, the sports gene, and they're talking about that, they're talking about all these cool things. They talk about how uh, Albert Pujols tried to face Jenny Finch and he couldn't because he couldn't recognize like, you don't recognize you've trained yourself, you've uh, you've um, chunked all this information how to re- see this release point but once you go like that's why you said you mentioned you're going to be a submarine or you're trying to be a submariner
0: I'm like, yeah I, jam- I jammed a guy with 72 one time I mean dude. never thought that
1: was possible you Yeah, know, it's possible yeah you can jam it. because they don't yeah, they don't know it's, so anyway, yeah, but to be real if I got to do it again I would pitch slow I'd try to throw as slow and accurate as possible probably you probably could have taken a few notes from your
0: teammate brad ziegler i think at the time right it Was was see was see one of your teammates
1: yeah, well he was my teammate in oakland and then i think oh, it was might again
0: no uh,
1: yeah for sure in oakland
0: yeah great great uh great one to learn from for sure adam really appreciate uh, the time uh looking forward to what you continue to do with with the a's uh, on the coaching side i know you got to a big future ahead of you, um, past what you've already done on the field. So appreciate the insights, the thoughts, the perspectives.
1: Yeah. Jake, thanks for having me.